feeling good. Feeling good. Feeling good. Feeling good. Oh boy. Woo oh, boy. It's time. It's time. It's time. I'm we getting, back. We back. I'm getting the cricks <laughs> out of my neck. You know, I've been like sitting uh, so uncomfortably for about three weeks, just waiting to say, "Welcome to the Pancho Cinecast." Presented by the Pancho Cinema. This is your host, Jonathan Foster, and that sounds really cool because, hey, there's this thing called microphones that if you turn it up loud enough you can kind of like not even really scream but it kind of sounds like you are um cool mm. uh and i'm here with my nutty boy <laughs> phil the nutty boy my the nutty my nutty buddy <laughs> nutter butter my nutter butter phil what's up phil welcome nutty back. buddy what? welcome back ah, welcome we're back back b-a-b-k back Added yeah, the boys are back in town. Here we go, another song. The boys are back in town. We're back to the future. We're yeah. back in black. We're back um, in time. Back in back in time. <laughs> Huey Lewis, this shit. Yeah, man. How's it going, Phil? The other Huey Lewis movie. It, I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Everything's Nothing is fine. wrong. Everything good. The days aren't blowing together. They're not. The, you know, no, they're not. And, you know, everything good. still had meaning. And mm-hmm. I don't feel empty inside. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm good. I'm back. Back. I'm ready. I'm, Are you, you well know, rested? So full of fucking energy. No, full I haven't slept in days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are you, good sir? We try to. Uh, I'm. I'm good, man. We, we we try to, you know, we try to have a good time. We try to have a little holiday, but you know, of course, weird yeah. stuff happens. And uh, you're up <laughs> at four o'clock in the morning watching CNN for three or four days in a row, uh, trying to make sure. Yeah, just to democracy still, still stands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Like when watching CNN. They kept using the phrase the uh the citadel of democracy <laughs> over and over. Don't what? And I was just like, <laughs> cool, man. That like sounds pretty official and uh I I you know <laughs> makes it sound a lot more beautiful than it is. So fair. I mean and it could have not an orange fascist man uh trying to destroy that citadel for the last five <laughs> years. And um, you know, if frankly it's it's over with. It's it's done and dusted and it's done. Uh, if you'd like to hear more thoughts about that, go check out this week's episode <laughs> of Breadcrumbs, where Phil and I, hmm, you know, spew out a lot of interesting facts. We lay the crumbs down. Theories. I got my own theories. Fake news. <laughs> and, and all around fun. Uh, no, but that was crazy, man. Weird times we live in. They kept using the word interaction. Yeah. Did, did that... Is it just me or did that just, I only make me think of like the old WWF pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. With the I, uh, and stuff. And I was like, why do they keep using that word? Yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's just an old, like if, if I've only ever heard it used in that context. Yeah. I jokingly tweeted the, the next morning that uh, when I see a news notification pop up on my phone that says like insurrection at the Capitol, I, just thought that you know Attitude Era podcast released a new UK only paper. <laughs> <laughs> I 
got really excited. <laughs> That's funny. I'm like, oh, are they bringing it back? And they're like, uh, like the stupid showdown. It's one of those stupid WWE <laughs> app notifications. Yeah, they like, should do it. <laughs> I was like, if it had gone badly, think about it. If it had gone really badly and they like tore down the Capitol and it like would like the Roman ruin, it could be yeah. turned into like an arena. <laughs> and you could do events there. It'd be great. It wouldn't be in poor taste at all. <laughs> at It'd be all. great. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. Well, of course, ladies and gentlemen, we're back here at the Prince Charles Cinema Podcast, the Pod Charles Cinecast. We we're are here uh, one and only. to deliver some fun chat, you know, all sorts of fun stuff you're used to. Uh, Phil and I both had a nice little wee Christmas break the last few weeks. And of course, you know, weird stuff happens in the world. And uh, sometimes it's fun to talk about it, even though we're not that kind of podcast. But um, whatever, man. I think, you know, you guys know what's up and uh, it's been a weird year and uh, the last year and uh, we're in a new year. Happy New Year, everyone. Holy shit. Happy New Year. (laughs) Any other year we'd be like recapping last year. We'd be like, oh, the best movie, then the worst movie, but nothing happened. Yeah. Nothing nothing. came out and we did it all. Yeah. We we did as much as we could and uh, we did it all for the nookie and uh, the what? That's all that matters. The Nookie. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, but we're back here after a nice little Christmas break. Phil, did you have a nice little break? It was nice, thank you. Yeah, it was um, lots of food and TV and still trying to get that holiday way off. Yeah, It wasn't worth it because now I'm just depressed about the way I look. It's not great, you know? <laughs> now, like, now this is the next month and I did that to myself and I didn't have to do that, but... yeah. But yeah, it's okay. I'm sort of just sort of, yeah, I'm hanging in there, floating around. Yeah. I don't know how to feel anymore because it's like the fourth, fifth time this is happening. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's just okay. Do it again. Yeah. Do it again. I'm getting yes. better at it and I'm getting worse at it. I'm getting yeah. better at dealing with day to day, but I'm getting worse at finding stuff to fill my time, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like I'm almost the opposite. I've been forcing myself this time to like, try to to fill time i think last time i was just like oh we don't need to be doing so much you know take this time but now this time i'm trying to use it to fill in uh time to like better aspects of my life of where i want things to go and stuff you know that don't have to do with work necessarily or just like you know just things that i want to be doing we'll get into that in a bit but before i guess we can just get into a cinema update still closed still closed (laughs) (laughs) we are uh properly locked down now so as you all know uh yeah for real it's gotten a lot worse since the last episode (laughs) last time we left you we weren't really sure when the cinema would be reopened and uh we're pretty much in the same position now who knows maybe maybe march maybe april you know, when we know, maybe not at know. all. <laughs> when, yeah. when we know, you'll know. Yeah. So for the cinema, obviously, we decided to take January and February program off. So you may have seen this either on social media or via our email. It goes out once a week at the moment. Wednesdays, if you want the latest updates or any fun games, news, blah, blah, blah. It'll be there on Wednesday afternoons. 
yeah, I make those emails. So if you, you know, want to support myself trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing on a week to week basis, like give it a read. Um, it makes me feel I read good, it. I it's guess, good by reading, and it helps you by reading. You know, because you need to practice those skills, guys. Yeah, exactly. You might forget. Uh, <laughs> you can't just listen to everything. You know. <laughs> Yeah, so we've decided to take January and February program also, and we've begun to make some moves and cancellations. Uh, basically, if you have any tickets to those films, keep an eye out on your emails over the next several weeks as we work our way through refunds and exchanges. So we will, like in the first lockdown, like I said, be keeping people plenty informed and plenty entertained via the emails and socials. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun doing these things. I've been incorporating my cat Steve into some posts, getting in, into some weird stuff. <laughs> I thought that that's funny. So he's like the new unofficial member of the team. Yeah. It's great because you don't have to pay him. Yeah, he doesn't don't have know, to pay her at all. She's but he can type the word for you. She, you know, she's already been fired, but uh, you know, from the social media intern position. So now she's working in merchandising. I don't know what's going on. You know, so. I don't handle merch, but apparently she's been hang- hanging out in merch. You know, find out this week. But as always here, <laughs> the Podcast Cinecast, you know, we will be here for you with the podcast. Now that we are recharged and back in the game, we didn't end the podcast, Phil. You know, we were. We didn't. We, were, we thought about it. We were on the bridge, <laughs> you know, last episode. Thought about it. A couple weeks back. And weird stuff happens around Christmas time. Little miracles happen. Little weird naked men uh, come into your lives, walk <laughs> into your into your house and show you how important things are. And uh, yeah, I want to thank mm-hmm. uh, our listeners out there who've been with us over the last year. It's been like really insane time. It was, it was a bit in jest, you know, us doing that episode. It was, uh, I think, a bit of our mania over the last year of just constantly recording podcast episodes without mu- having much of a break, kind of getting to the mm-hmm. best of us. And uh, it was sort of like a really fun way for us to, to, to just get that out, like get that out of our systems. <laughs> and I think it worked really well. It was yeah. a fun episode. Phil, like, did a hell of a lot of work uh writing it and everything so i appreciate that film <laughs> as well because i was in the process of moving and all sorts of crazy stuff was going on so yeah i want to thank the couple of listeners that sent out really nice voice messages and stuff to be played a part of the episode as well that was really awesome so thank you claire thank you uh helen yeah they made it thank you dusty uh so yeah that was really fun yeah dusty you guys <laughs> hit that from me that was a surprise <laughs> when i listened back to it no, those messages really tied the whole thing together. And I'm, yeah. I'm very proud of that episode. Yeah. And I would, honestly, after it came out, you did such a great job editing it and the voice work and everything. And it was like, I listened to it and I was like, that was so good. We should end it just on principle because that was like, such a <laughs> <episode>. <laughs> like when, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to yeah. stop, but like that, that would defeat the whole point of the episode if we did stop. Yeah. But like, it was so good. I'm like, oh, how are we going to top it? We're going to have to like, it's like Marvel, like fucking Fate Four. We have to like end it, end game it, and now we start back up. We start with little episodes and go back up to a yeah. big old concept piece like that. You know, yeah. and they can't all be fucking Dark Knight. They the movie, can't. You know? Yeah, they cannot. Got to throw in some best of. <laughs> to be honest, I, I'm surprised that we did two in like such a quick period together. You know, with the Die Hard episode. Oh, we did Die Hard as well. Yeah, which was very that was insane. Intense. That episode. Yeah, very intense edit and yeah. uh writing and all sorts going into that so if you 
want to have a fun listen. If you've not listened to those episodes, please go check them out. Because to be honest, I do want to do more things like that, like with this podcast or future <laughs> yeah. podcasts with our Breadcrumbs Network that we're working on. Yeah, so mm. just bear with us. We're going to try to keep bringing you entertaining stuff each and every week here on the podcast. Um, as far as what the future holds for it, like I think hopefully we just gets bigger and better. For instance, with Breadcrumbs, it's our... I called it a network a second ago. It's kind of just so that's like a layman's term. It's a it's a collective. It's a the family. I'm gonna launch a website very soon that'll kind of explain a little bit more. But it's gonna have all of our shows, a breadcrumb show, Ariane's a drip uh, drip. <laughs> she always does this to me. A drip oh, town, Limery, Maine. A drip town, Limery, Maine. Yeah, a drip Come, town, coming Limery, back. Maine coming back. It's back with episode five. This just joined the family of podcasts that we have there. Um, so yeah, we got our show breadcrumbs as well. The separate show that's actually called breadcrumbs. Uh, you can listen to it, which that appeared in the timeline a, a couple of weeks ago. So if you are interested in what we're talking about, that's in the Patrol Cinecast timeline, go check it out. It kind of ties in nicely with our diehard episode as well. So, you know, you can listen Good to that bill. if you want and not listen to anything else. We're fine. But if you like what you hear, come join us in breadcrumbs. We talk about a lot of crazy, silly you know, uh, it's fun. weird stories, fun, strange. It's an anti-podcast. Really it's like weird editing, uh, goofiness. That's, that's good. Fake, fake, yeah. fake stories, real stories. What's real? What's fake? A lot of it's very real, surprisingly. Um, so yeah, it's just fun. The time. real stuff yeah. you bring me, I think it's fake, and the <laughs> fake stuff, I think it's real. That sounds yeah. like it skewed <laughs> my take on the universe so much. Yeah. So if you want a big mind fuck, go to breadcrumbs pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can check that out. And we've, yeah, it's a network. So we're going to have a whole bunch of new stuff coming. We got our new show called franchise. We're going to launch hopefully sometime this year. I just want to thank you guys for being a part of the, you know, the, the last year, two years, it's almost two years now. This podcast has been going and I want to keep just making it fun wow. for you guys. Love for cinema, a love for film. I love for the Prince Charles Cinema and all the people who help run the place. Uh, Phil, it's a new year. You know, I'm talking about new, new year, new me, new beginnings <laughs> for us all here at the podcast. Uh, everyone is still in that New Year's resolution stage, I think. And uh, it's not February yet. We haven't given <laughs> up those resolutions yet, have no. we, Phil? Do you have any New Year's no, resolutions before we get into the meat and potatoes? this podcast no I, I didn't bother i always <laughs> every year i make resolutions and every year i don't really make them i don't really stick to them yeah the things i want to do but you know they're like very practical things yeah well what's some what's some practical things i want to read more i want to learn to drive if i can this year that sounds a big good. one yeah. i haven't done that the thing i'm working on that if things ever return to some sort of normalcy i can make maybe that yeah. Um, and I think everyone will have the same thing. Not really. Just try and keep fit. I yeah. mean, that was my, but I've been doing that since last March mm-hmm. because you know what? Work, people don't know this. Working at a print job is a very physical job. It is. <laughs> it's yeah. very intense and manual labor. Yeah. And it actually really keeps you in decent shape. I don't, I'd never really had to exercise while working there. It like kept me trim. Suddenly staying at home. And I'm suddenly taking in more than I'm expelling. Yeah. I had to start exercising. Yeah, yeah. And I was running during the summer and now it's too cold. So I'm just, I'm trying to keep that up, but I'm not being like strict with it. I'm not yeah. like, you know, I guess just try and take better care of myself. Because I've never really been good at that. But yeah. do you have any, do you have any red 
Well, yeah. Reservation. I mean, reservations. Do you have about any reservations have, going into 2021? Yeah, I've got a couple, but they've been canceled because uh, of lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I've, I've, got, I've got like a couple. Obviously, like I said, I want to launch this breadcrumbs idea that we have. That's a big focus. Yeah, of course. Um, to properly get it launched and get everything going and make it feel a lot more official than us just kind of talking about it each and every week. And I want to further myself as, as a podcaster and uh, musician and art, artist in general. And that's kind of the idea with breadcrumbs that helps me further myself in those sort of aspects of my life and uh also want to help other people and that's sort of the idea behind breadcrumbs that we can help launch a lot of other people's ideas and podcasts and uh, if you need help with you know editing or art or music or whatever it is then i'm going to be there to try to help people so that's one goal and obviously yeah get in shape like uh that's always a sort of (laughs) thing every year yeah like i think everyone on the first is always sort of like you're gonna start over we're gonna Oh, the holidays over, you know, the, the gluttony is done and just going to get myself <laughs> into better shape. Um, but again, yeah, like I, 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 it's very true when you're, when you're working at the Prince Charles cinema, um, especially in the front of house capacity that you get a lot of exercise in because you're carrying like all, all those orders and stuff when you get like, um, you know, stock <sighs> in. It's, of beer it's crazy. and popcorn yeah. up and down stairs. Yeah, all day. constantly yeah. running up and down the stairs. So yeah, it's uh it's a lot of physical work that gets done. But since I've started like working more so in the social side of things, I don't I don't really do much exercise at the cinema. So it's like me sitting on my ass all day, like just tweeting and stuff. <laughs> um so the thing that I've missed out a lot on because of the pandemic is the fact that like, I don't get my at least exercise of walking to the station and going up and down mm. the stairs there. And then yeah, walking yeah. into, uh, into town from like, cause sometimes I'll walk from further away. I might like get off at London bridge and just walk in from London bridge, or I might like get off at Charing cross and then walk in from there. You know, it just kind of depends what I'm feeling like on a daily basis. So that, those little walks, those little trips, and then walking around the cinema when you're going to the toilet and stuff, you're walking up and downstairs all day. You know, it's just little bits of exercise that you don't really get when you're stuck at home all the time. Mm. So I've been more active since Christmas and stuff and since I've moved, and um, which has been good. And uh, I've got like a step counter on my phone. I've been like trying to get the, the steps in and all that sort of stuff. I'm, my goal is to try to do like 10,000 steps a day if I can, if I can hit it. Damn. That's the best thing, though. Walking around January, you get to see all the newbie runners just struggling and killing themselves. Yeah, it's very fun. Like people who don't usually run who have just started yeah. running. It's very satisfying. Yeah. And it's funny, but those people are the best because they're trying. Yeah. There's nothing impressive about someone who could, a runner who can run. It's boring. I want like people who are swaying and breathing heavily yeah. and they look like they're about to pass now, but they keep going. Those guys and yeah. girls are the best. They are the Seriously. best to watch. They are the most inspiring people. Yeah, and don't laugh at them because if they look funny, I mean, at least they're trying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I, I get that sentiment, but at the same time, I'm also very afraid of runners right now because people are just panting and stuff and you walk by them and you just see the vapor coming you're off. Right. And you're right. like, oh, fuck COVID. <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, Phil, it's, you know, it's funny that getting into shape and becoming a better version of yourself is a heavy theme this time of year and what we've been saying and everything mm. because... You know, with today's film, we're hitting those notes in probably one of the worst ways possible. <laughs> yep. And not the most sensitive way. <laughs> the, not the most sensitive way. Phil, 
What film are we blessing people's timelines with today? Time to bust the nut and the nutty professor. <laughs> For Professor Sherman Clark, being the big man on campus was no laughing matter. Here, Jimmy Hoffa. You got to work out. You got to push a switch. Come inside. Here we go. One, two. His body was disproportionate. Anything I can get for you? Juice, coffee, rack of lamb. His family <laughs> was dysfunctional. I don't know why everybody trying to lose weight in the first place. You're talking about that's healthy. I know what healthy is. And his love life. I'm a big fan. Thank you very much. I'm flattered. Flattered. Was disastrous. <laughs> but now. Thanks to the miracle of science, he's about to make a change for the thinner. Ah! I'm thin! I'm thin! Looking for any kind of clothes in particular? Spandex! All spandex! Somebody better call an exorcist! Your lip. What? Your lip is swollen. Inside Sherman Clump, a party animal is about to break out. Eddie Murphy stars as shy Dr. Sherman Clump, a kind, brilliant, yet morbidly obese genetic professor. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> when beautiful chemistry teacher Carla Purdy, Jada Binkett Smith, she Purdy. <laughs> uh, joins the university faculty, Sherman grows desperate to whittle his 400-pound frame down to size to win her heart. So, with one swig of his experimental fat-reducing serum, Sherman becomes Buddy Love, a fast-talking, pumped-up, plumped-down Don Juan. It's the 1996 slapstick science fiction comedy starring Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy? Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Eddie, Murphy. Like trailer. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> And screw you, Peter Sellers, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, you ain't got shit on Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Hot takes off the cape, Phil, the nutty professor. 1996. <sighs> this is 96. I mean, different time. This is a weird one. Yeah. Because, I don't know, it's one of the, I'm partial to this movie. I was a big fan of it as a kid. And I still think it's, I still get a kick out of it. I still think it's really funny. It's ridiculous and silly and stupid and kind of mm-hmm. offensive. But... It's not the kind of sweet, I mean, maybe it's got that little Bubble Boy sort of taste, like, um, feel to it for me. Better than Bubble Boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I don't know. I always think of it around this time of year because it's oh, just a guy trying to lose weight. And I would think of, like, montages and fucking him trading to Richard Simmons and bits of this movie that, like, have really stuck with me as someone who had, like, <laughs> exactly... <laughs> John has switched his background to the fucking Godzilla nightmare that yeah. Sherman Clump had. <laughs> and like that stuff, like I struggled with my weight for so long. I still mm. do. I was yeah. much heavier when I was younger. 
And so this movie is tied into the memory. And it doesn't make me feel better. It should make me feel better about that time. And it, it does reflect a lot of those feelings. And I, honest, I think it's funny just because I think it, this is Eddie Murphy at interesting time. This is him getting into the family comedy game yeah. from which he's only just finally coming out of. I feel like he's making a comeback now with Dolomite coming back to America. And this is like when he sort of started to, you know, he got out of the Beverly Hills Cop type movie and got into Night Professor and Dr. Mm-hmm. Doolittle and then Daddy Daycare and The Haunted Mansion and on and on and on. Norbit, it just it just became really sort of just toned down slapsticky movie and he's always funny in them, but there's something lost there. But this, he really gets to shine and I think it's worth it just for that. I mean, you were just making fun of the gimmick, you know, Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy and yeah. Eddie Murphy. But he is... Oh, funny, and it's so impressive. Yeah, yeah like yeah. he was doing in coming to America with Arsenio, him and the whole family. It's some of the funniest stuff in the movie, even with all the fight jokes. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, I I agree. Like I, I like you said about struggling with weight and stuff. I can so relate to Sherman in this film so much at times. Like certain mm. bits, especially towards the beginning. This film, it's like. It's weird. It like yeah, it's a weird one. It's like it's not it's not good. But it's not also not it's not bad. And you know, yeah. I think we'll get into it more and more as we go, but like I said, I can relate so much to Sherman just being so tall and I used to be a lot heavier as well and I still struggle with my weight. You know, it's just the whole mental toll it's had on most of my life. Mm. especially a lot of the beginning and just this film in general, the whole pastiche around it. It's just like, it's as bad as you should probably feel watching this film because it just feels super harsh. Like it's just so friggin' nineties. It's like, it's not that I don't think, I don't think it, like, it's not that I don't think it couldn't find its place today. Like in today's society, like I think people could turn this on who've never watched it before and didn't grow up in the nineties could find it funny, but yeah, get something out of it. Yeah. yeah, it's certainly dated, of course, but the 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 vibe of the film is just that '90s crash diet culture that we were living in in the '90s. Yeah, it's more of a comment on that. Yeah, and it's a it's, great update of that story because of yeah. that. Because that's something that's not. Mm. I mean, I, I imagine you have stuff about this. I know this is a remake. Yeah, the so Jerry Lewis remake, movie. Yeah. but I have no idea. I, I'm not seeing it. I don't know if there are any connection beyond the idea of a like nerdy guy who turned into like a suave thing, which every show had done a version of. Yeah. If anything, it just reminds me of fucking Steve Urkel. Yeah. Yeah. Very you know, much. Like we were talking about the Val Johnson theory, but he did the, I think what fucking the Stephane, name he by? Stefan or Kel. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. That's what it reminds yeah. me of that. Like every show done the version of this. Yeah, definitely. And it has its roots in a famous piece of literature, which I'll get into in a second. But I mean, it's like the whole story is inspired by like that whole like, you know, Richard Simmons parody style thing that he does in the film with Lance Perkins, Eddie Murphy. I love that. Eddie You're Murphy becoming plays. mighty. Yeah. Like <laughs> just that whole time, Jenny Craig, Richard Simmons, slim fast shakes and just the different workout fads that were going yeah, on in the nineties, that whole thing just like weighs heavy on this film and stuff. And it's just like, it's really funny with the time that it came out and stuff. And like you said, yeah, it's an interesting film for many reasons because it had some pretty groundbreaking CGI work that was going on, even if it looks yeah, man. dated by today's standards, you know. 
like certain sequences well, the makeup in is incredible in this movie. like these stupid gerbils or hamsters flying around but yeah the makeup itself <laughs> is insane and it's done by special effects artist rick baker who's a legend you know he's done an american werewolf in london with all the harvard he did thriller exactly. yeah he did videodrome <laughs> coming to america batman forever the frighteners <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh. so it looks wild as a film, but it's also pretty interesting because, like you said, it's like Eddie Murphy. You know, over the last few years, people have been clamoring for the return of that classic Eddie Murphy. You know, OG Eddie Murphy, mm. funny Eddie Murphy, aka edgy Eddie Murphy. And of course, yeah, yeah. like you said, we finally did kind of return to that with Dolomite is my name, which I think is excellent. If you've not seen it, go check it out. It's on Netflix. Like I loved that film, and it was mm. really fun to see. Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes and just the whole gang of people that they have in that film. It's really fun movie. Uh, and like you said, he's coming back, coming to America this March. So it's like, you're starting to get that edgy side of Eddie Murphy back. I mean, but the interesting thing about this film is, is like, bear with me, Phil, as I dig beneath the layer of fart jokes and the layer of fat suit that this movie has to offer. But Eddie Murphy basically killed that old version of himself in this film right before our eyes 25 years ago. Cause Sherman Klump is the lovable goofy yeah. down to earth, Eddie Murphy the metaphor, would, you know, he'd go on to make some of the best and worst family films of the last 25 years. Whereas <laughs> buddy love is definitely crass, brash and the arrogant younger version of Eddie Murphy. It's delirious. Eddie yeah. Murphy. Yeah. That won over everyone's hearts, you know, with his trailblazing stand-up comedy career his legendary stint on Saturday Night Live that basically saved an otherwise lackluster early 80s run for that show. Dude, you're right. And he even partnered the torch yeah. in this movie to the next young He did. Comic. Absolutely. Which With we'll Chappelle. get to that. That's we'll so cool. That. He's like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, he had Are a string of classic films, 48 Hours, Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop, Coming to America. But it's like Eddie Murphy, as he positioned himself in the 90s, whether it was from like tanking box office numbers from like his previous films or it was just like growing up, you know, he's moving his career of comedy away from the crasser style comedy that he famously, you know, joked about Bill Cosby giving him a hard time for. And he became the family man yeah. that Bill Cosby was at the yes. time, you know, like just not quite as Bill Cosby did it, you know, if you... <laughs> <laughs> was, yeah, with less pills. Yeah, less pills. With less drugging people. Yeah, less yeah. drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, the film, like you said, it is a remake. It's a remake of the 1963 comedy classic starring Jerry Lewis as Professor Julius Kelp, who is the inspiration for Professor Frank, if you're a fan of The Simpsons. Oh, really? Yeah, Hank Azaria was very inspired by him. Julius Kelp, he... Like after drinking a serum, turns into Lothario Buddy Love. Same name there. It's Julius Kelp and oh, Buddy they kept Love. That one. Which Buddy Love was basically kind of <laughs> rumored to be a parody on Jerry Lewis's old comedy partner, Dean Martin. So Jerry Lewis basically like oh, he's funny. doing a total Dean Martin in the film. I saw it years and years ago. I haven't seen it in so long, but it is really, really funny. The original. Uh it's great. Like Jerry Lewis is amazing. He's so funny in it. And yeah, he pulls this amazing sort of Dean Martin impression throughout the film when he's Buddy Love. And it's got similar vibes, like similar, like a similar sort of plot arc, but it's like obviously very different 
you know. I'm going to go ahead and assume Jerry Lewis did not like the Eddie Murphy version. Well, we'll get into that. <laughs> so both of these films, like I said, they're, they're inspired by a very famous piece of literature. It's The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson. So of course. When you see yeah. this sort of vibe, like we said in, in Family Matters with Steve Urkel and Stefan Urkel, that's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So that's what this whole vibe is, The Nutty Professor. Uh, the 1996 Nutty Professor and his 2000 sequel, The Clumps, were executive produced by Jerry Lewis. But in the years since, he was quoted as saying, I have such respect for Eddie, but I should not have done it. What I did was perfect <laughs> the first time around. And all you're going to do is diminish that perfection by letting someone else do it. <laughs> so Okay, Jerry. <laughs> apparently he, he likes Eddie Murphy, but didn't necessarily like the films. <laughs> Fair, Fair enough. enough. Yeah. Jerry Lewis also allegedly turned down a cameo in the movie. Can you guess the reason why he turned down the cameo? Um, no. <laughs> He said the script had too many fart jokes. <laughs> I would have assumed fart jokes. Yeah. Okay, Jerry, there's a scene where Sherman's walking down the street and uh, he's like, you know, eating a hot dog and, you know, face is like covered in mustard and you're just a bystander and you walk past him and you accidentally trip and um, you fall <laughs> you fall on your back and your face is looking up at Sherman's butt and he just lets that up. <laughs> And then he walks on, and then you throw up for five minutes. Is that cool? Is that, Is cool? that cool? Would that diminish your legacy? <laughs> no? Steve Martin would have done it. <laughs> Steve Martin definitely would have done it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, The Nutty Professor 96, it was developed and produced under Brian Grazer, who is partners of Ron Howard for Imagine Entertainment, and also by record mogul of... Island Death Jam, Russell Simmons. Oh, shit. Russell yeah. Simmons? Reverend That's Ron's funny. brother. So Russell Simmons, he loved Jerry Lewis's Nutty Professor so much, and he always wanted to do an updated version. Like, actually, the original Nutty Professor, it also inspired Russell Simmons' comedy series, Deaf Comedy Jam. I guess it's like there's a lot of stage show going on, like because Buddy Love is playing piano a lot and singing and stuff in the film, that very like sort of Dean Martin mm-hmm. vibe. So there's a lot of that sort of inspiration yeah, yeah. that was taken over into Deaf Comedy Jam. And it's even referenced in the film. I'm pretty sure that like whole scene at the scream or whatever is kind of meant to be like a Deaf Comedy Jam thing because you have a mixture of like music and then a, com- a comedian comes out. So it's a great sequence. That yeah, whole bit. So good. Take it out. It's great. Yeah. The director of the film ended up being Tom Shadyak, but the original choice by Eddie Murphy was actually John Landis. He wanted John Landis to do it. Eddie Murphy and John Landis make such a great team. They do, yeah. Actually, been really cool. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of information about the development of this film. So I kind of had to go with Mm. what I could find. And I couldn't find any reason why John Landis didn't do it. But Shadyac got the job. And, you know, he had a magic touch at the time. So at the time, he was delivering a string of comedies that each grossed more than $100 million worldwide. So listen to this line. Mm. All right, you have Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Yeah. The Nutty Professor. All right. Liar, Liar. Okay. Patch Adams. And that was all like, (laughs) almost like kind of in a four-year run. Every single one. Yeah, it was just like back to back to back. 
And then he was also responsible for doing Bruce Almighty and Evan Almighty. <laughs> and all those films all made right, so well hit, over. Hit and <laughs> well, I mean, it still made money. So <laughs> and it, it made established money. Carell sort of as like a household name. So, yeah, it was well over like yeah. $100 million each of those films. So incredible. Run. I mean, that's tough to do with comedy. So, yeah, that's very impressive. Yeah. All right, so this is another fun little thing. So the writers of the film were a team that consisted of Tom Shadiak, Steve Odekirk, who is the man behind Kung Pao Enter the Fist, which is a classic comedy. Great movie. <laughs> classic. Classic and movie. the principal writers of this film were the writing team of David Sheffield and, do you know? Brian De Palma. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Oh, man. Starting the new year off wrong. I haven't even had a Brian De Palma joke in here. So thank you, Phil. Uh, No. You're welcome. (laughs) It was Barry Blaustein who famously directed Beyond the Mat. Oh, shit. That one. Yeah. So really? This amazing wrestling documentary from like the 1997, 1998 period of time. Might have come out in 99. Uh Barry Blaustein directed this thing called Beyond the Mat. It just kind of takes you. We've shown it at the cinema a couple of times. Yeah, we, we did it with Wrestle Talk. With Wrestle Talk, yeah. And it's a really amazing documentary. It's actually on Netflix right now. And I don't know how it's many incredible. of our listeners actually care about wrestling or not. But to be honest, you cannot be a wrestling fan and find this a very entertaining and, you know, Definitely. I don't know, just like a thought provoking documentary. It's like a really good documentary. So, yeah, Blaustein. He met Sheffield when he joined the writing team of Saturday Night Live. And then they also met Eddie Murphy at that time. And they would go on to write Coming to America, Boomerang, both Nutty Professor films, and then the upcoming Coming to Number Two America. (laughs) Oh, they wrote a new one, Coming to the Number Two. Which is cool, man. Blaustein, like I always forget that about Blaustein, that he has this Eddie Murphy connection, which is amazing. Like (laughs) That's so weird. yeah. Yeah. And he also directed The Ringer. <laughs> oh, no. I know we were talking about uh, The Ringer. It came back. We were talking about The Ringer a few weeks back. Oh. I don't even remember what connotation it was, but I thought that was funny to add in. It was for Bubble Boy. Yeah. Oh, It's okay, the same yeah. guy. Yeah. This guy who like keeps playing disabled characters. Even though yes. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. All right. So the cast, like I mentioned, Eddie Murphy, he plays a total of seven characters in this film <laughs> so yeah like maybe we should just go into the two big characters a little bit we got sherman and buddy love and then we'll get into the rest of the clumps like i said <laughs> i can i can relate so much to sherman like it's insane yeah, man. this whole like period it's like you know i i remember like um watching this film like over a year or so ago and i was just thinking oh my god this is a bad decision i think i even tweeted it like, I was just like, oh, man, a rewatch of of uh, The Nutty Professor is kind of a bad idea. and Because it, it starts with all mm. that stupid CGI, the hamsters flying around. But, like, the, the moment of this film that really breaks me is, like, the stuff with Eddie Murphy, <laughs> like, on the couch, eating and stuff. And it should, like I said earlier, it should be stuff that like you shouldn't find funny, I think, like because it's kind of harsh. But at the same time, I think it's very funny. I, I think somewhere I think in funny. there, I think somewhere in there, like I, 
couldn't find the validity of this, but it said that Eddie Murphy or whoever developed the idea because of these like TV uh, adverts that would come on all the time, like, uh, you know, in the 90s. like Yeah, these horrible infomercials. So regardless of who came up with the idea, you could like that definitely was a part of this. And Eddie Murphy's sitting there watching it and like, you know, Sherman Clump, sorry. He's sitting there watching it and he's just like watching everything that's going on and like just the emotion (laughs) that he has. And like, I've been through that before. And that's why I think I find it so goddamn funny. Crazy relatable. Just sitting there like watching this and just like kind of laughing. And um, side note, like Eddie Murphy, like he plays the Richard Simmons knockoff character called Lance Perkins, which is amazing. Doesn't he? Is he doing white face? <laughs> yeah, which is okay. That's funny. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. It's just funny. I don't think I ever realized though Eddie Murphy. Before. Yeah, I think Eddie Murphy when that's he funny. plays multiple characters in a film, there's at least always one character you don't realize is actually Eddie Murphy, like like the old, the old white man. Jewish guy from Coming to America. Yeah, absolutely, doing basically uh-huh. the, the Gumby voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh the Gumby hey, I'm Gumby. I am Gumby damn it I'm Gumby god damn it <laughs> I did no respect <laughs> but yeah like it's just oh man such a funny time so yeah in that in, in that like infomercial with Lance Perkins there's another person that's in that little infomercial it's Lori fucking Beth Denberg Lori Beth Denberg from all that <laughs> and Good Burger yeah She's the young woman that Lance Perkins is talking to when Sherman's sitting there guilt-eating and crying. And I think with that, Phil, we're going to have to call Snack Time! Thought it was alright, you thought it was over But now you're having snack time in lockdown 3.0 Snack time. It's snack time. Oh, we got so many <laughs> themes now. I don't even know where where we're at for themes anymore, Phil. But uh, you know, I've been guilt eating, you know, for the last like we we were talking about getting into the new year and stuff, and I've been just guilt eating like since January, you know, since Christmas really, and uh, just you know, I'm trying to feel better about myself and be healthier. I've stopped drinking actually. Um, you know, nice. at the new year, just to kind of stop, no real reason, but just to kind of stop for help, just health and stuff. Um, so I'll see how long that goes. That's a good enough reason. But uh, yeah, we, you know, it's just still got junk laying around. So with my snack time today, it's my last piece of junk that uh, is left over from Christmas ah. from, from my stocking from my lovely wife, Julia, and I'm going to guilt eat it. Just like Sherman Clump guilt eats throughout this film when he's feeling upset. And it is <laughs> a uh, Nabisco Oreo brownie. Sun. Oreo brownie. Wow. I've never had that before. I'm assuming it's American. It sounds amazing. So I'm going to try it here. Have a piece of brownie and see if it's good, if it tastes like an Oreo. 
Oh, that was so soft. <laughs> um, no? <laughs> I don't know. It's not bad. He looked quizzically at the Oreo. Yeah. <laughs> it's not bad, but it's not the consistency I thought it was going to be. And it sort of tastes like Oreo. What is that? Okay. It's almost like a weird. What is that consistency? What? It reminds me of something, and I can't think of what it is. <laughs> I'm going to ponder this. It almost while. looked like a mini roll, like yeah. how you went through it like that. It, that's almost sort of what it is. It's almost like a mini roll that uh, is slightly stale or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> slightly stale mini roll. So for that, Oreo. I'll give it's it. a family company. I'll give it. Uh, how many? <sighs> wait. Or how many mini turkeys, miniature turkeys, shall we give? <laughs> mini turkeys? <laughs> miniature turkeys. Dude, that turkeys shot is that... so funny. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> what did Dave Chappelle so call him? Funny. Fatzilla? Or what did he call him? Fatzilla, yeah. He's like, he was like King Wait. Kong with titties or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, he called them both. I think. How many King Kong titties? How many King Kong titties? I'm giving it two titties, which is you know, is accurate. Fair but, enough. Uh, it's not. It's not. Wow. Bad. It's okay. But yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know why we're actually talking about this film, it's because uh, you know the breadcrumbs episode a couple weeks back. We talked about that dream <laughs> sequence, and I think it's really funny. So. That's why we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, Phil, what'd you bring for us? That's all it time? takes. <laughs> I went easy. I went simple. I'm, I've eaten all the junk. You know, we're like clearing out the pantry before our next shop, trying to save money. You know, all the chocolate's gone. Everything like that is gone. But to go to snack, I would have it on the side of lunch. You know, it's good for you. We're getting nutty. I got some nuts. Here we go. Got some mixed nuts. Here we I don't even go. have the packet. I have it from Tupperware because that's all that's left. Um, but, you know, it's, it's almonds and stuff, cashews. It's all good stuff. I have them every day. They're really nice. Um, I'm just going to grab a handful. If you can tell me what the chemistry is of your little container that's holding your nuts, I'll call you a nutty professor. Well, the chemistry of a Tupperware? Yeah, What what's it made of? What's the makeup? I don't know if you can't. It's plastic. It's yellow it's dye plastic. number five. <laughs> it's plastic. But you can't tear it. You can't tear it. Only way to destroy Tupperware is to like run over it with a van. All right. Ooh, how many King Kong titties are you giving your little little nuts? It's <laughs> the weirdest sentence. <laughs> your little nuts. <laughs> I give these nuts like four and a half, five, four and a half. Out of five titties. They lose <laughs> half a titty because they're a little dry. Yeah. So you need to eat them with something. But yeah, so altogether that's like six and a half titties we're working with. Not bad. Yeah, we're ready to that's go, like man. Two, that's like two total recall hookers and a half titty. Shit, yeah. <laughs> Starting this new year off right. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I said a minute ago, like the thing that really breaks me about this film, though, is like uh, a lot of those scenes of Sherman sitting there sort of 
watching the TV and crying and stuff and eating the food. And it's really fucking funny. And then there's like the moments of him, you know, like obviously the dream sequence is one of the funniest things. You know, we, we joked about it during the snack time uh, where he just blows up into this giant, you know, version of himself. And uh, yeah, like the eating the little teeny chicken, just like, or the turkey or whatever, like, cause he goes in like King Kong and it's such a good shot. Like Jada Pinkett's just sitting there on the bed and he like goes past her and just yeah. grabs the turkey leg. Instead of grabbing her. And, yeah. And she looks sort of like, what? <laughs> it's so funny. I'm not like the biggest fan of fart jokes. Sometimes if they're played well, they're kind of funny. So this film has a lot of fart jokes. A couple of them are kind of funny, of but course. the rest of them are kind of like, eh, whatever. So like the whole him farting and it turning into a nuclear explosion doesn't do much for me, but the whole setup to that, it's great. But then sitting around the table fighting. Yeah. <laughs> gold. Gold. Comedy gold. It's gold, Jerry. It's gold. It's gold, Jerry. Uh, that is cinema. <laughs> that's Kino, baby. <laughs> Kino, Kino, baby. Uh, Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> The, the number one thing, though, that really breaks me is the shot. Sherman Klump decides that he wants to get in shape before he goes to like goes on the date, the first date with Carla before he gets made fun of by Dave Chappelle and decides to yeah. turn into Buddy Love. So he's doing the whole montage is so funny. You know, he's just at first he can't like he can't jump on the trampoline because, you know, the trampoline broken. <laughs> he can't run up the stairs. He can't do anything. Um, and there's the one shot of the guy who's just sitting there. I love this shot. I know what you're talking about. Pumping He's doing iron. curls. He's doing curls. Yeah. And it slowly pans to Sherman curling a candy bar to his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. That is That's so one of my genius. It's like, I think that is one of the funniest images. Instead of a dumbbell. <laughs> it's so good. It's so That's good. That's so funny. You know what? I'm going to be real with you. There's a scene in this movie, and it's weird because it's like it's not professional. It's just like a weird, funny fight joke movie. But legit, I had a recurring nightmare about this specific <laughs> bit. It's the bit where they're on the beach, yeah, and oh, they're yeah. kissing. And he like pushes in, her into in the, the sand, sand, and he he pushes, and she she drowns. Yeah. It's like quicksand, yeah. and just the arms are coming out. And he's like kissing her and he got like sand all over his face. There's something so haunting about the idea of that, <laughs> yeah. that it still kind of <laughs> throws me out. Like when I watch it, I'm still kind of uneasy about that yeah, scene. That's pretty funny. Um, because the rest, of, the rest of the nightmares are about right. Yeah. They're like, if you're like us and you've struggled with like how you look and how you feel, it's this weird notion of you're so aware of how much space you take up. Yeah. And this movie like pushes that to such a comical degree. Yeah, yeah. And and it makes it like honestly, it allows me to like make fun of it, like or laugh at it a little bit. Yeah. And so it's a little, it's that's good. I that's a, a good thing I can think yeah. about this movie. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, like like I said, like uh, when I watched it like a year ago, or so I was kind of weirded out at first. I was like, oh man, this is like. This is not going to be funny. This is like, uh, this is starting off bad. And then it kind of got me into it a little bit more. And I was like, oh, it's not too bad. But this time around, I'm watching it. And like those moments just really stuck with me a little bit more. I think like because maybe I am going through that whole thing of like wanting to get in, you know, in better shape. And just like, you know, I'm thinking about like, mm -hmm. like you said, 
how much space you take up. I think about that all the time, being a tall person, a very big person, and all those scenes of Sherman just like, you know, wiping off like the board that he's writing, you know, and knocking, continuously <laughs> knocking over the jar of like jelly beans is so funny. Like, because I, I'm always sort of like, oh, I don't want to get in people's way. I don't want to knock things over. If I'm in a shop, I have a rucksack on. I know that I have extra size me to too. me and I'm just like, oh God, I don't want to knock things over. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, ah, it's some of the stuff in this film is really funny, especially if you think of it that mm. way, because a lot of times things like this aren't funny and it's like, it could be like very easily a bad movie, <laughs> but you know. Yeah, of course. It could have, it, one of those, it's a movie that it's having cake it's eating it too. Yeah. It gets to make a movie about the struggle of being a, a bigger person while laughing at bigger people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And those movies never get to, never really work, but yeah. it, at least the, this one is kind of funny. I think the thing that makes it work, and this kind of gets to my next point, is that like Sherman's suit, again, it was created as well as the rest of the Clump family by special effect artist uh, Rick Baker. He's a makeup artist who's amazing. I already listed some of the films he's done. He's incredible. Baker made an entire body cast of Eddie Murphy in order to create the lightweight hand-carved urethane foam and spandex suit <laughs> that would make him appear that he's like 450 pounds. Other parts of the suit were filled mm. with like cellulose and water to make it look believable, like when it moved. So it like moved all the fat and stuff yeah. moving. So it looks amazing. And it took three hours to apply the makeup each day for the entire 70-day shoot. Rick Baker and his team, like they, they went on to win the Academy Award for best makeup for this film. I I saw that. I quickly Googled <laughs> the movie beforehand because I like to, I would forget names. And I saw Academy Awards and I was like, no fucking way this movie won an Oscar. <laughs> and I'm like, for visual effects, I'm like, totally. Yeah. Hair and makeup, for sure. That totally makes sense. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like Eddie Murphy's incredible in this suit. And it's particularly like for Sherman, like he just, looks like he's properly lost it. And I kind of forget about it sometimes that like that's Eddie Murphy in that suit. I think the magic of this two different characters. Yeah. It's the magic of this is just like, it, it works so well because the suit looks amazing. Eddie Murphy, like there's something about him in this film in particular, like he acts through the suit so well and he does it to some degree in nutty professor too, which I think is still pretty funny. Like it's not as good as this one because yeah. it kind of goes, it kind of goes overboard. It kind of goes overboard. It's a bit crazy. Yeah. Um, it kind of don't like it jumps the shark a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, Janet Jackson is in it for some reason. Janet Jackson's in it. Oh, it's because uh, Jada Pinkett was pregnant at the time. So she couldn't reprise her role. So they didn't want to do the same person. I didn't want Jada Pinkett back. I don't particularly like her either. But it, you know. It's just weird. <laughs> it's weird getting replaced. Yeah. With Janet Jackson. But yeah, Eddie Murphy just, he looks, he looks like he's having a time of his life on this film as well. And it's like his eyes when he's playing through the suit, like he just acts so much with his eyes and it just like, you kind of get lost as Sherman being, it's almost like he is this, this man, yeah, man, this big, this big fat scientist man who's shy and nerdy and awkward as fuck. You and, feel bad for him. Yeah. You, and you know, you, you feel like, in that situation, you probably would do. You'd probably drink that. Because most people do it every day. Yeah. Every people do it every day. They don't take a fucking potion, but they get surgery and they they get onto the quick fix thing. 
and it's never going to be a quick fix. Yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah. You have to be okay with yourself and you have to change. It's a lifestyle change and it's slow. Yeah. But it's like it's a long time to get there. But people want that. You you know, if you could take a pill that made you thin, mm. everyone, everyone would take it. Absolutely. Even thin people would take it. Like everyone would take it, even <laughs> if it was like a depository, people would take yeah. it. Yeah. I think like, that's the thing that makes this film kind of work because it uses real life sort of struggles, even if they're kind of poking fun at fat people or whatever at times, like they're using like a sort of, it's a grounded sort of real life sort of struggle instead of it being sort of this, I don't know, certain films where people step into fat suits and it's all jokes and giggles and stuff like don't really have real life sort of consequences and struggles. And even if it's, this is very sci-fi, obviously it's very silly, but the idea is this man wants to change the way he looks because he like hates how fat he is and he wants to look better so that he can impress the girl that he's in love with. But at the same time, like the whole story kind of teaches you that you should be comfortable with who you are and your, you know, your actual true person. Doesn't matter how you look. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, which is a good notion. And Could buddy love it. The prick. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it just doesn't work in like shallow how it doesn't really work because it just feels too much uh, of yeah. like them trying to make a joke out of like, Gwyneth Paltrow being a fat woman and stuff and like it's silly it's a weird movie it's a weird one yeah Buddy Love like Eddie Murphy said that even though he was playing this enormously overweight character Sherman he had to keep himself in the best physical shape of his career because he needed to look very (laughs) athletic as Buddy Love and he also needed to be comfortable wearing all those like heavy prosthetics and stuff as the members of the Clump family so Apparently he was in really amazing shape. Plus you forget about Lance Perkins. I mean, that's like, you know, that character is always in spandex. <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, the studio though, actually initially objected to having Eddie Murphy portray all the adult clump characters because they thought that like hiring four additional actors would just be much cheaper. And the all the initial then all the makeup yeah then all the makeup and then all the additional days that it would take for eddie murphy to like basically film because he would have to oh, you're right he would have to do every single character and stuff so yeah it was all all these costume changes and all that sort of stuff but eddie murphy devised a special screen test uh with makeup artist rick baker in which he portrayed mama and grandma clump and that like convinced the studio executives to go with it and let him have his way. How could you not? <laughs> because the grandma, like, I would want to see that. So I've, I've already seen it. And I want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> She's based on uh, this Don't old, black... <laughs> She's based on this old, like pioneering, like black vaudeville comedian named moms. Mabley, Who's like, just really funny. And like, I saw some videos of her, like again last night. Cause I kind of remember her from back in the day, uh, seeing some clips and stuff of her. And like I looked her up again and just seeing that it was just like that is that is the grandma. That is totally it. Just yeah. It's like, come on, Cletus. Come on. Come on, Cletus. So funny. That that blooper, I don't remember if it's in Yeah, where she he's like, come on. And like it's slowly taking off like the hair (laughs) and the teeth and shit. (laughs) Taking off all the makeup. So funny. So, of course, the only Clump family member that Eddie Murphy didn't play was Sherman's nephew, Ernie Clump Jr., who was played by Jamal Mixon, who is basically known yeah. for playing in these Nutty Professor films. But you may have also seen him in Paul Blart Mall Cop 
and also as Black Dennis in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia's <laughs> episode of The Gang Turns Black. <laughs> that, I mean, it's a good episode. What are the rules? What are the rules? When you just turn black and you can't turn back, oh, baby, tell me what are the rules? <laughs> So, so Phil, I don't know if about you, but you may get this guy confused with someone else. This guy that you might see in other films that looks a lot like him in films such as The New Guy or Old School or Me, Myself and Irene. That's who I'm thinking. Yeah. Of. I was like, I was literally about to ask you, but I was like, is this going to sound weird? It's not the same guy. Though. It's not the same guy, but it's very easy to think it is because it's actually his older brother named Gerard Mixon. That is in all those films, and they're oh, both that's funny. so similar looking, and they're both like just huge dudes. Like it's amazing, yeah. That those two guys exist. Jamal Mixon, he was actually encouraged by Eddie Murphy and director Tom Shadyac to ad lib anything that would make Eddie Murphy have to ad lib on top of him. So two that's so sweet. Two of his ad libs that actually made it into the movie were like literally the flexing. <laughs> <laughs> Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. I love that. That was him just like doing that. And that's. I used to do that all the time at the kid. Yeah, that's one of the most <laughs> iconic bits in the film. I love when like little kids, like we were talking about Home Alone, like, you know, Kevin McAllister just like, you know, Macaulay Culkin just doing the hands on the face and he forgot to take his hands off. And that became one of the most iconic images in film history. It's like huge. Hercules isn't that yeah. big, but it's still like. That was an iconic thing, and it was something that people would say all the time. I remember it was a pop culture yeah, thing. For years. Yeah. Yeah. And me and my brother still do it. The second thing that was ad libbed was him loudly and unexpectedly just breaking wind. <laughs> that, that huge <laughs> fart that he lets out. Apparently, that laugh is real as well. <laughs> you can that, tell. <laughs> Such a good laugh. <laughs> He's so proud of himself. <laughs> and when he farts in that scene, apparently uh, it calls Eddie Murphy to break character. So they had to crop out the mama clump character that's next to him. Like, so if you watch it next time, you'll see that maybe it's not her in the shot it and it's a little bit closer in. to him because <laughs> they had to cut her out so that they could use the shot they wanted to keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> how could you stay in character if that happened like right next to you you'd be like oh it makes me wonder <laughs> if like he kind of started the whole farting thing in the film or what like I don't know <laughs> like and they just kept riffing yeah. and then it just turned into again probably the most iconic bit yeah. in that movie so which just them sitting around the table farting that kid is so funny though like He's just sitting there eating and stuff, and you almost kind of feel bad for him because he just looks so unhealthy. <laughs> He's just like <laughs> eating so much and just like like Eddie Murphy just sitting there as sort of as the mama just like sort of cheering him on. <laughs> it's Encouraging so him, weird. yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. He's gonna be big yeah. and strong. And then like his dad, like the dad character just sort of like, see, that's the problem with this this generation everybody thinks that everybody's fat they're too fat like i think it's fine you're so eating fine you're gonna you look fine sherman <laughs> and it's like deep down that sentiment is like what was very much needed in the 90s that like 
people weren't happy with themselves, but at the same time, you're just like looking at this whole family of like very obese <laughs> but people the limit. overeating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the struggle, man. It's the struggle. Oh, so funny. Struggling to real. So a lot of work, like I said, went into those like crazy dinner scenes because like basically to make it work seamlessly, like Eddie Murphy, he had to perform each character one at a time. And while filming each new character, he would use like an earpiece that played audio of himself as the other clump family members that he had already shot. So he could like just riff on himself as well as riffing on the little kid. So, (laughs) and yeah, he just basically had to repeat this for days on end until the entire scene was complete. So it's insane. It worked. Yeah. It really worked. You don't think about that watching it. Yeah. It looks incredible too. Like to keep that in your head. Yeah. Like he's all of them and it's incredible. Uh, And you know, that family scene was actually nearly cut out of the film because it had so much like irrelevance to the actual film's plot. So (laughs) it was just kind of funny. It turned out to to be one of the best and most beloved scenes in the film. And it ended up causing them to write a sequel that was more so centered around the entire family. (laughs) Just that, that, that scene. Yeah. Which is crazy. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, the irony, the, that complete lack of awareness or understanding of how fucking comedies work. Yeah. It's not like, you know, most scenes are there just because it's funny. It's not yeah. to move along the plot because the plot is really simple. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's not. And I thought you were going to say there were too many fights. Like, they would have to push it to an R rating or something. You know, there's a level of flatulence that's legally allowed imagine, in the movie. Imagine that. Like, if you had so many farts. This is a lethal amount. This is, a, this is an R. There, if, we, if we make people, you know, it's like the brown noise, right? If you hear enough farts, you're going to start fighting. And eventually everyone in the theater is going to shit themselves. It's, it's weird how people will I, I only say this because I th- my brother brought it up last time I talked to him there's a thing with toilet humor and that people tend to look down on it but looking back it seems to be the only thing people want to talk about yeah. like with this movie it's the most iconic yeah. scene far from the funniest scene in the movie um, it does a disservice to only talk about that scene it's the same thing with Blazing Saddles there's a scene around the fucking fireplace. I swear to God, every retrospective, every Mel Brooks show, everything I've ever seen, when they get to Blaine and Saddle, all they talk about is the fucking scene where all of them are sat around the fireplace fighting. Yeah. Because it go, it's funny. Obviously, it's funny because it goes on for so yeah, long. Yeah. But that is not the funniest thing in the movie. That movie is so groundbreaking yeah. and so provocative in ways that like films aren't anymore. <laughs> And all they can talk about, it's like, oh, it's funny because they're eating beans. And that's exactly like this movie. Yeah. It's like, it's funny because they're fat. But then there are smarter jokes. Absolutely. There. <laughs> Sorry, I just <laughs> no, get that off my chest. Humans love fart scenes. And we'll move on. Yeah, no, I mean, I was kind of thinking that, like, uh, like I said uh, just a few minutes ago, that, like, fart scenes normally don't really, like, fart humor doesn't really do much for me as in the grand scheme yeah. of things. But this scene is so ridiculous that it sort of wins you over like that you like when it's so charming when the father yeah. like gets up because he shits himself it's like all right fine it's like you know eddie murphy <laughs> well, like um sherman's brother like is just like damn daddy you know shit yourself <laughs> it's, just, it's so funny like, 
it's just like you get you get beat over the head with it until it becomes funny. Maybe that's what it is. It's just because it's so absurd. Yeah, it, it's yeah. funny become unfunny yeah. become funny again. yeah and then they leave it and it's great it's the like life cycle of a joke in one thing. it's a life it's cycle of a fart <laughs> like you know it's like <laughs> that's true yeah because it's like at because first it's you funny fight and people sound. are like ew gross yeah. yeah the sound's funny but then it's like ew gross it stinks and then you're just like god damn how does it stink that bad still like it's just lingering <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then someone else is like wait yeah <laughs> Ah, uh, memories. <laughs> All right, so rounding out the cast, obviously we have Jada Pinkett as Miss Carla Purdy. Jada Pinkett, she actually ended up choosing to do The Nutty Professor over a role in Independence Day, opposite her then-boyfriend and now-husband. Are they still together? Will Smith, are they still together? I don't know. 2020 was a weird year. I think they are. When I think about that they're whole... In, they're in a weird relationship. Weird, is what I, got I from thought that. that was like two years ago when I was like thinking about this and then i was like oh, oh actually it was just this summer that just happened yeah that was like in the middle of the <laughs> pandemic they were like here let's put up a video yeah. where we sort of air our dirty laundry and everybody's more confused yeah and will smith looked bad and jada pinkett looked like kind of an unpleasant person <laughs> i think it was just a weird like publicity stunt to like get people to watch their show and also to get people to buy albums bad off boy of that for life. off of that guy and yeah will smith it worked for everyone yeah because bad boys became like the highest grossing movie of the year man <laughs> i think it was because it was the only film that came out it was like that and sonic <laughs> yeah that and sonic so other cast members include john ailes of sherman's lab the guy with the crazy hair sherman's lab assistant yeah jason with the crazy hair he looks like he looks like matt stone oh yeah he does yeah Park. i kept thinking he looked like, like a basketball someone, he looks just sense. like him. yeah he also sort of looks like the guy uh, who directed the original Child's Play film. Not directed, uh, wrote the original Child's Play film. God, everything is Child's yeah. Play, isn't it, John? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have he does. the wonderful Larry Miller as Dean Richard, Richmond. Uh, Larry he, Miller's really such funny, an asshole. It? It's great. He's so good at that asshole character. It's really good. Yeah, like in 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, yeah. He's the dad in that. Yeah. Yeah, he's so funny in that. He's so good. Uh, we have Montel Jordan playing himself and singing This Is How We Do It, which is great at the scream. And of course, <laughs> that means that we must get to one of the best cameos in this yeah. film it almost ever. Uh, Dave Chappelle is the vile comedian Reggie Warrington. Yes. With the worst hair ever worst committed hair. to movie. <laughs> he got that house party hair really young Dave Chappelle and it's like you can almost forget that he's in this film uh it's such a great scene though because yeah it's the style of humor that I think I should not find funny but I still find myself laughing at um you know 25 yeah. years later at yo mama jokes like I don't know why yo mama yo jokes mama, are yeah. funny but they are just kind of funny and that's exactly what this whole they all thing want Dave is. Chappelle doing them <laughs> yeah that whole thing it is uh, the number one reason why a lot of people do not want to sit in the front row at a comedy show is the actions of Reggie Warrington. <laughs> I don't. I refuse to. And also, uh, yeah. probably the number one reason why comedians always feel very uncertain if they're about to go out on stage is because of Buddy Love having to go at Reggie Might show them up. <laughs> showing up. them up. So yeah, it's a good like tit for tat, which I think must have been fun for both Dave Chappelle and Eddie Murphy to do, like because it is like 
comedy at its finest right there, like just on display. Oh my God. It's like the two best of their generation going at it in, in a completely different way. Yeah. And it's so funny. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny in the wrong way, like with the horrible <laughs> your mama joke. And then it's funny, like when Buddy Love like stormed the stage and she felt like, get off the stage, man. You ain't a show bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love the whole. Just all those lines are really fun. And then like it's... fucking smacking him with the yeah. piano and playing. Loving that you. Pretty. <laughs> It's easy Thank when you're you. beautiful. <laughs> do, 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 do. And the scream. Take it, Reggie. Mm. Oh, oh, that was beautiful. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, so funny. So funny. I mean, I love it. It's yeah. like, again, it's like the last, it's the last dying breath of like old school Eddie. Yeah. And that's such a, he was so formative, I think, in my sense of humor. So it's nice, it's always nice to see. Yeah. And it was a shame that it kind of went away for a while. It was still there in those movies, in the family movies, if you looked hard enough. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he basically did the same movie again, and I think it's done so differently that it actually works. And it's one like me and Paul, shout out Paul. Love this film so much. Shout out Paul. Fucking Bowfinger. Like is incredible. Oh, finger. Yeah, this isn't about the same time. Yeah. It's like maybe two years You're gonna later. You're going to be a star. It's so good. He does it so well where he can do... He does both again. He, he can do the sort of like edgy side to his persona and then also this like weird goofy character that he creates. It's like it works so well. And then you also Steve Martin. Here we go. Yeah. Steve Martin's back. Back in the conversation. Back. <laughs> Letting farts happen in his face. <laughs> Smashing pumpkin. I love doing that. <laughs> I love Bowfinger. Bowfinger is so underrated. Yeah. I don't think enough people have seen it, and it's such a rare, again, a thing I think is quite trendy now this sort of meta self aware stand up Hollywood making fun of itself. Yeah. And Bowfinger does it so well, and Eddie Murphy does it so well yeah. because he gets to play like this sort of nerdy, like wannabe star and an actual huge mega movie star that's so. <laughs> like oblivious to what people think of him yeah. and how shit his movies have become. Definitely. It's weird. It's like Adam Sandler and funny people. Yeah. It's like, so you know, you know what you're doing. You know, your movie stuck in a weird way, but you could, you're playing off it in a weird way. Like he did that like two years, two years after this film. So, I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, he knows like literally already, like so. before Pluto Nash yeah. and all that stuff. He's like, guys, it's about to get a right. lot weirder. Just showtime. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> dude we should do that i would do that in the podcast just go through eddie murphy's entire filmography because yeah. that's some fucking gem yeah. In there, so yeah like reggie's character like this was a great sort of coming out for dave Chappelle. i mean Chappelle and eddie murphy they were riffing off of each other improvising a lot so i mean this was just them having a fun time so you could tell yeah really fun i can't imagine what that would have been like on state set it must have been really funny the stuff they had to cut out <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> dave Chappelle said eddie murphy was really kind and he complimented him on his first day when he first met him and uh that meant a lot to him because eddie murphy was like a huge influence on him so that's really cool and like dave Chappelle, say what you will about him i mean he's it's hard to say Right now, for me, how I feel about him because he, he could be so problematic at <laughs> yeah, times. No, I'm with you. Like he's one of the greatest yeah. like comedians of all time, but he sometimes Easy. does some stuff or says some stuff uh, that like comes off and you're just like, oh, that's kind of transphobic, man. Like, chill out. 
I feel like he's at a weird. He he's at this weird stage where I mean, because he's been through so much, and I yeah. still think he doesn't get his due because of what he went through. Yeah. I feel like he was making a statement and protesting before that was a thing, and then he came back, and then everybody else started doing it, and it's like it's just the thing. Uh, no, but I don't think people appreciate the sort of trauma yeah. like Black Star had to go through and still go through. But at the time, I mean, he talked a lot about. I mean, you can see interviews in active studio interviews. So interesting because he goes into detail. But like, yeah, his like specials, like Killing Them Softly and For What It's Worth, those are some of the best specials. Power Show is one of the greatest comedy sketch shows ever. Yeah. He was one of the most unique minds. And I appreciate that he'd come back and he offered a, a different kind of voice. But I, I, yeah, I feel like sometimes it's like in the bit of a man out of time. Yeah, definitely. Where it's like he he sometimes he lays some fucking truth and I'm like I I kind of I I get what he's saying and sometimes like dude why'd you say that like <laughs> it completely undoes all the sentiment you just said yeah. by like resorting to these sort of really outdated Tropes, jokes yeah. and I get it for him it's just like it's just a joke and yeah incredibly transphobic yeah. not in the not as bad as like a Ricky Gervais but like it it, it yeah it's frustrating yeah. to be. Uh, a Chappelle fan sometimes, but I always yeah. I always appreciate the guy. I think he's incredible. But he's very funny in this. <laughs> yeah, he's very funny in this, yeah. Last but not least, obviously, is the music in this film. Uh, our man David Newman, who did uh, the score for Galaxy Quest, composed the score for this. Uh, I can All I can say is, Phil, this is like the most 90s score possible. <laughs> it's a score that would just not exist in a film today. It's so bumbling. It's that bumbling 90s score. Yeah. Like, just constantly yeah. going through. Sherman basically has tubas playing behind him when he's walking. It's just like... It's so stupid. It's a really horrible score, but it's sort of like one of those 90s films that you don't even think about. Like, it's you know 90s family comedy who gives a shit about the score there's like a handful like home alone or something like that that's great but there's like if john williams wasn't doing the score it's just gonna sound like this like <laughs> yeah yeah you'd never hear it in a movie now it i still hear it on tv yeah. And yep. it still annoyed me. A lot of comedy is still scored like this. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Why? oh, it's funny music. Look at the fat guy walk. It's like, please stop. Why? Yeah. Well, aside from something I don't miss, the aforementioned Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It, a Friday Night, and everything's going all right. Uh, this film also features songs like <laughs> Macho Man by the Village People. And I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. Uh, by the Pointer Sisters. But those. I appreciate all these renditions. Those films aren't on the actual soundtrack that was released by Def Jam Records. <laughs> Which is really weird. We're not paying for those. It was in the film, but Def Jam Records released a separate soundtrack that went platinum. And it featured the likes of like Monica, more Montel Jordan, Jay Z, Case. There was a lot of like. A lot of big stars on it, but That's none really of those funny. songs were in the film, and it was just this weird separate soundtrack. So, whatever. I mean, that's how they get you, right? If you're gonna have <laughs> Russell Simmons, he's like, I'm producing this movie, but I own a record label. Yeah. People are gonna buy the soundtrack because of the music in the movie. I'm gonna use it to 
like promote, promote my, my own, own artist, my other deaf jam, and that just <laughs> and that just makes me feel like I know that the whole conversation about how you know records don't sell anymore, and you know it's about streams, and yeah. it's weird when something does well, but then you look at like this, and you're like, well, it was too easy back then. Yeah. How did like everything went platinum from the look of it? <laughs> Like how platinum is like loads of record, right? Yeah. I don't know the number, but that's a lot. How did the Nutty Professor yeah. soundtrack go platinum? How did that happen? That makes it look seem like, oh, this guy came out, debut album, boom, platinum. And it's like, yeah, but so did the Nutty Professor. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> if everything goes yeah. platinum, you know, if everything goes platinum, then nothing goes platinum. Well, like back then, people were actually buying cassette tapes and CDs. Like you would actually buy the physical soundtrack to movies and it's so weird now that like you don't do that because we were talking about that with Batman Forever like we went into that whole spill about nobody yeah. really like they don't score films like for a soundtrack anymore and they didn't do it with this film this was just nah, a random fucking soundtrack but people would buy that stuff it's just a deaf comedy jam mixtape yeah. yeah I think the last like soundtrack that in we might have mentioned this was like Guardians of the Galaxy it was like the last thing that like felt felt like they were scoring it for yeah. the movie like with the, the soundtrack of actual songs not like original score but yeah <laughs> it's funny it's, I, a, it's a wasted opportunity <laughs> Well, The Nutty Professor was released in June of 1996, and it was a big hit. Obviously, it made over $25 million in its opening weekend, and the film had gone to reach the sum of $128 million in the U.S. and over $145 million international for a worldwide total of over $274 million. Holy shit. 1996. For a movie with, yeah, for that, for 96 money, and for a movie with... I'm not going to hand it again. Upwards of at least 50 fights. <laughs> you know? That's very impressive. Yeah. Very, very impressive. See, farts are universal, John. They make money everywhere. Phil, you would think that, like, you know, farts might drive away critics and all that, but the critics loved it too, actually, and they really did actually see it as a no. huge return for Eddie Murphy because, like, when we're talking about things like Boomerang and, like, there's films like that, Vampire in Brooklyn, they're kind of fun but, Night. but they're yeah. films that were cons- like seen as flops in a in a fall from grace for Eddie Murphy. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop for Three, sure, yeah. like you know, he he had all these films that were coming out in the early nineties. Yeah. Just they were flop after flop after flop, and and like this was like holy shit, Eddie Murphy's reinventing himself in this hit film. It's this big hit film, and Roger Ebert of all people, as thank well. God. <laughs> Roger Ebert of all people gave it, Did he love it three out of four stars saying a movie it, it's a movie that's like a thumb in the nose to everyone who said Eddie Murphy had lost it he's very good and the movie succeeds in two different ways it's sweet and good hearted and then again it's raucous slapstick and bathroom humor I liked both parts mm. so yeah he liked the farts <laughs> ah, <laughs> I like the farts interesting uh, interesting that like it actually, I mean, like I knew it was a hit, obviously. It obviously made a lot of money. And a lot of times money dictates whether or not a film gets a sequel and stuff and becomes a part of like, yeah. and critics don't always speak for the way audience perceive films. So obviously like a critic could hate the film, but the Hook. audience love it. And uh, yeah, like Hook. And um, yeah. But not all the audience loved Hook at the time, but there, there's got to be some good examples of like critics just absolutely despising a movie, but then largely everyone else loved it and it didn't matter that the critics hated it. It was still a huge hit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so 
Yeah. But this film, like it had the critics as well. It had the audience. It's really interesting because now when you watch it, you're like that movie, that movie we just watched with all the fart jokes and stuff. That was a huge critical hit. Amazing. <laughs> huge critical and commercial hit and won an Oscar. Won an Oscar. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wish I was somewhat conscious in 96. <laughs> I was three. I very much remember this in 96 um, coming out. And yeah, I remember this whole run for Eddie Murphy. Obviously, like as a young kid, I must have seen some of those early films of his like uh, coming to America. I remember Vampire in Brooklyn very vividly as a kid. So there was really because yeah, like it was I remember the I was early 90s, Golden Child. The Golden Child. Big fan of <laughs> There was like a period of Great the early movie. 90s. There's like films and then some of those 80s films that I just definitely knew of him. And then like Trading Places as well, another good example. Like I knew of Eddie Murphy. Of a friend of mine like really introduced me to a lot of his Saturday Night Live stuff when we were little kids. I was just hanging out at his house and he was showing me all of his stuff. So like seeing like, you know, Nutty Professor and then like followed up with like Dr. Doolittle. Like these are just like big things that you kind of like they're dumb kind of when you think about it now, like in retrospect and you're kind of like, Oh man, I love old Eddie Murphy. He's really edgy and funny, but these were classics like at the time and Shrek was huge. You know what I mean? Like he was big shit. It's just just like those couple of films that kind of sucked. And like, you're just like, why is Eddie Murphy doing this? Please stop. And then there's Norbit, which is like, taking this yeah it's just up and down it's taking this formula and just beating it over the head until it's just not funny at all and it's just like rick baker did the like the 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 makeup for it as well for yeah. Norbit. so and it's like and funny ironically that one cost him an oscar because <laughs> it came out the same year dream <laughs> uh, but it's a weird it uh, it's a weird look it's like a, a comic of a certain time i feel like the same thing the Shrek connection, the same thing happened to Mike Myers. Yeah. Where like, again, sort of edgier comedian in the 80s and 90s and then did more family-friendly stuff, had a couple franchises under their belt. They both had Shrek. You know, Eddie Murphy had Night Professor and Doolittle and loads of other shit. And Mike Myers had Wayne World and fucking Austin Powers. And then they both don't really move with the time. Yeah. And they both sort of get stuck in their old way. That Norbert and that the Love Guru. Yeah, they both and both go are movies made about ten years too late, <laughs> and it sort of killed their career. And now they both sort of Mike Myers sort of disappeared, and now he makes like weird little cameos in like Tarantino yeah. movies and shit, and Bohemian Rhapsody for some reason. But Eddie Murphy like had came back in drama yeah, slowly, yeah. and we've caught we've caught on to it, and that's nice because people can appreciate a whole new level yeah he's an amazing acting, actor but it, it's so strange yeah it's so strange the wave like i mean careers have to go through that mm-hmm. like you can't be big all the time it's like jim carrey it has to, come, it has to come down good example of that as well jim carrey's a great example but he went the different same way thing. where he did yeah same thing he probably got out before like you know and started exploring his acting ability maybe a little too early before he's challenging himself. Yeah, he was challenging himself yeah. like early on before people really caught on to the fact that he was an amazing actor. And then like, he was just doing these, yeah, weird he, yeah, he did these indie films and it like, yeah, people are just like, what the fuck? I don't want to see that. But then like years <laughs> later they watch it and they're like, wow, actually 
he was really good in that, and we didn't give him enough credit. It's brilliant. So then Way when he dips his toes back into yeah. some comedy and stuff to probably appease people, like the ship has sailed by that point, you know. Well, that's it for me with this film. Sorry, I tangent. Mean, that was a huge tangent. But it's fine. No, it works because we're talking about Eddie Murphy. I love Eddie Murphy. I think this is like an interesting Legends. thing. I was a big fan of him doing uh Dolomite is my name. I was a big supporter of that. If you remember from like last year, yeah, you talked time, about it I was bigging it up because I saw it and I loved it and I was really excited for it to come. And uh, you know, I'm ho- I'm still hoping he has this really good comeback in in a way that doesn't necessarily need to be like coming to America. Although I think that looks very fun. I'm looking forward to it. I think it looks really funny. Look genuinely funny. It's nice to see Arsenio Hall again as well. Cause I like him a lot as well. Neither have aged. Yeah. They look exactly the same, which is incredible. But I, I just like, I still hold out the hope that one day Eddie Murphy will win an Oscar. Cause I think he's a great actor. He's proved it in dream girls. He's Terrific proved it in act. all this films that he's in. He's like, great. He's so good. Yeah, he just needs like that Amazing. one fucking role. He needs to go talk to Josh and Benny Softy, and uh, get yeah, one. He needs an uncut gem. He needs an uncut gems. You know, that's what he, he needs. needs it. You know what? He needs that. But I need not what I need. What I would love. Could he've been not threatening it? Not the right word. But he'd been toying. I think with the idea for so long. I would love if he came back to stand up. Yeah, for just one. One more special. Just I I know that obviously he changed, life had changed, stand up had changed, and a lot of his stuff had you know hadn't aged well. But the stuff that had is fucking hilarious, and I just want to see his take on things now. Yeah, I know he hadn't lost it. He's funny in interviews, and he's funny in movies, even in bad movies. Yeah, and I would just love to see it. Just one, just one more. I'd be. It'd be amazing. Like he came back to SNL like not too long ago for like a big anniversary show, um, and he he hosted again, and he like brought back all the old characters, mm. like the Mister Rogers character yeah. and Gumby, and holy Buck shit, wheat. it's like no time had passed. <laughs> Buckwheat, exactly. It was like he had it, man. You never lose that. So, Eddie Murphy, great, and this yeah. is a great time capsule of ninety Eddie Murphy. Yeah, and it's still fun. Yeah, and it's it's, it's nice to look at it in that sort of dynamic of him, like basically killing his old self and becoming a new person and you don't really think about that yeah you so wanted him to be like his old self again but then when you go back and watch this and you're like dude he did it right in front of our face he fucking killed himself and yeah. he like created this new family man and you know fair fucks to him you know because people change people grow up people you know need to do different things and i love that about him new year new yeah. me New Year, New Me. And that's exactly it, this episode. Um, As loosely as we can tie that connection together. (laughs) Yeah. People trying to lose weight in a movie about a fat guy. Here we go. Well, Off and running. Phil, we've sort of talked about what our resolutions are. You got anything going on? Anything you're working on that you want people to to know about? And where can people find you? Are you in a ball? (laughs) Rolled up in a ball? I'm balling. I'm balling 24 seven. No, nobody needs to know. Um, you could find me on Twitter. I've been like taking quite a break. Me too. From <laughs> a little bit. Twitter and Instagram. I'm, I'm still there. I'm looking, but I'm not really posting yeah. much anymore. And I don't know if I'll go back to them, 
But I'm there. I'm on Instagram, Doug Clement, and I'm on Twitter, far away from that. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm hanging, I'm hanging out, you know, I'm being, you know, I'm trying to be more, actually, I don't know which way it best, more buddy love, less Sherman clump, or should I, should it be the other way? <laughs> I don't want to be 400 pounds. Yeah. I don't want to be a dick. But you, you should be comfortable with yourself, you know? Okay. Um. Um. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's just say I'm trying to do that. Yeah. Not doing well so far. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. Mind over um, matter, man. Um. It's going to take right, a lot of right. a lot of mind to get over all the matter that I've got. You know, I've accumulated here all this mass. <laughs> um. <laughs> you can find me at Tall for All T A L L the number four A L L L on Twitter and Instagram and my band's page at Facebook. You know, me, I'm trying, like I said, we're doing this breadcrumbs thing. I'm building a website. They'll hopefully be out soon. Uh, it's coming together. Yeah, it's coming together. It's coming together. And, you know, we, we've got breadcrumbs over breadcrumbs pod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find information about that as a network, as its own show, the new show. It's silly. Like we said earlier, go check it out. Like we said, Ariane shows over there. Got another new show called Franchise that's going to be coming out hopefully soon. So keep an eye out. So always you can find the podcast at the PCC podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or you can send us an email at podcast at prince We love to hear from you guys. If you'd like to reach out to us and say, hi, tell us uh, your feelings about Eddie Murphy or the nutty professor or anything else you want to talk about. Hit us up there at the PCC podcast on Twitter or Instagram. As always, you can hit us up at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. You can support us there. $5 or more a month. Get you bonus episodes. We recently released Step Brothers over the Christmas break. So there's an episode out there floating in the ether. Uh, and yeah, we're going to be back with some more Fast and Furious stuff, some more weird random films that we decide to put into the you know the ether out there so yeah if you want to support us hit us up it's a good way to help us out during this time so guys we love you be comfortable with yourself if you want to uh get better get in shape whatever do it but do it healthy and uh don't drink weird serums that turn you into an asshole weird version of your former self and if you if you have picked up running you know that's the resolution just you know be careful yeah it's cracked in the road you know don't fall over don't fall over and don't breathe in people come on yeah. Yeah, what the fuck?